The reading this morning is taken from Psalm 78, verses 1 to 7. O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden from of old, things we have heard and known, things our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. So thank you very much, Hilary, and good morning, everybody. Um, It's the final Sunday of the year, and of course, traditionally, that's a time when we look back on the previous 12 months and we look ahead to the coming year. So we actually thought it'd be a good idea to get some people to to let us have their thoughts, and we we contacted a few people, and we've had some responses. So I thought I might just read one or two of them to you. Um, So here's one. 2018 has been a terrible year for me. Everyone's been really horrible to me. And my main wish for 2019 is that all my colleagues will stop bickering and squabbling and just let me get on with my job writes a Mrs. T. May of Downing Street. (laughs) 2018 has been a beautiful year. It's been great because of all the great things I have done. And 2019 will again be a great year because of all the beautiful and great things that I will do. That one comes via Twitter from a Mr. D. Trump of Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. We did also get a a response from a Mr. Mourinho of Salford, but by the time that arrived, it had become out of date, so I won't bother reading that one to you. How will you respond to the changing of the year? Perhaps 2018 has been a good year for you. Perhaps Some good things have happened in your life. Maybe the arrival of children or grandchildren. Perhaps you've been able to travel to interesting places. Perhaps you've met some new people, made new friends, enjoyed new relationships. And so maybe you're looking forward to 2019 with eager anticipation, looking forward to all that it will hold for you. Or maybe 2018 hasn't been so kind to you. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Perhaps poor health has struck. Maybe your family or those close to you have been affected by a life-changing event which will have an impact on you for a long time to come. And if that's you, then maybe you're looking ahead to 2019 with anxiety, perhaps even fear, about what the year will hold. 
in reality, I guess the likelihood is that for most of us, the year just gone will be a mixture of things that we will look back on fondly and also memories that we'd perhaps like to forget. And I think particularly at this time of year, when there's a lot of pressure to sort of reflect and think about the future, it's a time that tends to exaggerate our natural disposition. So if you're naturally an optimistic person, a, a sort of glass-half-full person, then you do look forward with optimism to the new year. But if that's not the sort of person you are, if you're the sort of glass-half-full person, then actually this can be quite a difficult time of the year. Our attitude towards the changing of the year seems to depend on what sort of year we've just had, what we think might happen in the coming year, as well as on what our natural disposition is like. The Bible, I would like to suggest, advocates a different way. Now, no doubt there will be skeptics and, and secular people around who will look at the Bible and say, well, what, what relevance can that have? It was written by simple folk who based all of the things that they wrote on myth and superstition. Well, actually, no. Many parts of the, many parts of the scriptures encourage us to look forward to the future in a very pragmatic, hard-headed, we might even say evidence-based way. So I want to just share with you one or two um, passages this morning to explain what I mean. And the first of those is Psalm 78, which Hilary has just read for us this morning. We will tell the next generation, the psalmist says, we'll tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach to their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. So in, in Old Testament times, as we know, things tended to go well for God's people when they put their trust in God. But whether the people were putting their trust in God at any particular time tended to, tended to depend on whether they'd actually got somebody to constantly remind them of the great things that God had done. So what the psalmist seems to be saying is that people shouldn't base their trust for the future on mere feelings or how good a time they were having but should instead base their hope for the future on the evidence of what God had done for them in the past. And we didn't have time to read all of Psalm 78, and it's actually quite a long psalm. But if you do get a moment, do take some time to read Psalm 78, and you'll see that the psalmist records a fairly lengthy catalogue of all of the different ways in which, over the years, God had led his people. He'd guided them. He'd remained faithful to them, even at times when they deserted him. 
So that historical summary of the things that God had done, on the basis of what God had done in the past, was evidence that God was, above all, someone who could be trusted. Now, of course, we are in the fortunate position of having lots of later bits of evidence, later than the psalmist, about the goodness of God. We are still in the Christmas season. It's, I think, the sixth day of Christmas today. Six geese are laying and all that. But whatever, what better evidence could there be of the trustworthiness of God than the Christmas story? The story that's been told and retold so many times in the last few weeks reminds us that God doesn't abandon the world. He is concerned about the state that mankind is in, but he doesn't leave us to our fate. He cared enough to come in human form, Emmanuel, God with us, in order to be the solution for the world's problems. Now, of course, quite a few of the readings that we've had over the Christmas period and the Christmas services have been from the Gospel of Luke. And it's worth noting something that Luke writes in the first chapter of his Gospel about the reason he was writing. So in chapter 1 of Luke, verses 3 and 4, Luke says this, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. So isn't Luke doing exactly what the psalmist exhorted his readers to do? Tell the next generation, teach the children so that they won't forget the deeds of God and therefore they will put their trust in him. Isn't the telling and the retelling of the Christmas story partly about telling the next generation the wonders that God has done? And looking back on the reality of what God has done in the world is surely a much more reliable guide to the future than what has happened to us in the last year, whether we've had a good year or not. It's about remembering the wonders that God has done so that we and future generations can put our trust in him. Now, once or twice, I've used the word evidence. I've said that the things that God has done are evidence that we can trust him for the future. And in a, in a court of law, much of the evidence is presented to the court by witnesses. So that brings us finally to the letter to the Hebrews, which is a book that recounts some of the wonderful things God has done. And Hebrews chapter 12 begins by saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And that reference to a whole cloud of witnesses 
follows a chapter in which the author cites numerous examples of people who had lived the life of faith. Their deeds and their faithfulness to God are evidence that God was at work in the lives of these many biblical characters from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through to Moses and beyond. And we can have confidence in the future because we see how God was at work in their lives. So what about us? Well, we can take advantage of all that we can read about in God's word, about his dealings with his people over the centuries. We can read the Christmas story, the Easter story, the stories of God's constant faithfulness in the face of a rebellious, stiff-necked bunch of people. But we are witnesses, too. We are witnesses of the things that God has done in our lives. So if 2018 has been a good year for you, then by all means praise him and thank him for his blessings and his goodness to you. If it's been a more difficult year, then I still pray that you might be able to look back and, and remember times when God did provide comfort, perhaps through a friend, perhaps through a timely word of Scripture. Times to give you a glimmer of light and a hope for the future. As a church, we've obviously spent quite a lot of 2018 thinking about hope and the theme of hope. True hope, that hope that enables us to look forward to 2019 with a sense of joy and anticipation, should depend not on ourselves, but on the character of the God in whom we put our trust. So I do want to wish you all a Happy New Year. But perhaps more than that, I want to wish and pray for all of us that we will have a year in which we can look forward with confidence to all that God will do, basing our confidence on the evidence that we can see in his word and the evidence in our own lives that he's a God in whom we can place our trust and our hope for the future. Amen. We do provide an opportunity for prayer at the end of the service. And, and as I've said, I guess that this time of year is not always the easiest for everybody. So if there is something that you would like prayer for um, as we go into 2019, then um, once we've sung our, our closing songs, then you, you will have that opportunity. Let's just, let's just pray briefly. So Father God, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives in this last year, we sometimes feel blessed and feel that times are good and that you have blessed us in really tangible and obvious ways. And at other times, sometimes it's more difficult to see um, how you are leading us. Uh, and so we pray that you would help us to learn from everything that has gone on in this last year and especially that as we 
look forward into 2019, that you will help us to put our trust and our confidence in you. Because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.